Hi, this is Ariana Evans, and you are listening to I See You Mama, a podcast where we talk mom to mom about what feeds our soul. Sometimes we talk about silly stuff, sometimes we talk about funny stuff, sometimes we talk about serious stuff. You never know what you're going to get with us, and that is fitting because that's exactly what motherhood is like, too. We are growing souls without losing our own. Today is part two of two parts where I talk with Tiffany Acuff from Corner to Corner Ministries, and um, it was just such a beautiful and uplifting and encouraging conversation that I didn't want to cut any of it out, so we split it into two parts, and um, Tiffany, it's funny, she was my first interview. I ended up publishing a different podcast first, but Tiffany was my first interview and so gracious through all this. Um, please be sure and check out the program notes at the end or the show notes um, on the podcast where we give links to her book recommendations and um, the ministry that she works with. And um, without further ado, let's jump right in with Tiffany. I do want to touch a little bit back on the gentrification in that um, my husband's really good about pointing this out to me and that gentrification doesn't have to be a bad word, right. you know, and all... I'm saying white because the majority of the time it is white people are the gentrifiers um, in these situations. But (laughs) um, white people aren't necessarily evil or bad, you know, for, you know, it's, it can be a good thing. And, and Will has this really great way of describing it in that um, he calls them lowercase gentrifiers and uppercase gentrifiers. Mm -hmm. And we were most certainly gentrifiers on our block. You know, we were the first white I'm saying white. I mean, obviously, we're not just white, but multicultural. We weren't black. Um, Family, other than my son, to move into our block. And it did start changing shortly after that. But, um, you know, and our house was flipped and the Mm -hmm. property value started going up. And we absolutely gentrified our block. That's undeniable. The difference is, are you willing to move in? And engage with the neighborhood that currently exists and engage with their concerns and use your resources to help lift up those around you. Because gentrifiers, the whole thing about gentrification is it's usually not just a racial difference, but it's an economic difference. Yes. Which doesn't have to be a bad thing. Because if I come from a middle class background and move into a lower class poverty neighborhood, what happens if I start opening up my resources to my neighbors right. who don't have those? You right. know, that's life changing. It is. And so it doesn't have to be a bad thing if you're willing to engage and really love your neighbor in that. Right. We have a problem when it's like, I am just buying the house for property value, I'm running to my car to work and back I'm not getting to know your neighbors you know and I care more about um what's it called codes and your lawn being cut a certain way than what's going on in your life you know that I'm airbnb out my house yeah (laughs) yes and it's just it's changing the fabric it's changing the fabric of the neighborhood without taking the time to say what is this tapestry? What are the beautiful things that have been going on for 30 years? Yeah. You know, what, um, what is the community that currently exists and how can I be a part of that? And how can I add to that in a positive way? Those, you know, that's the difference between gentrifying in a negative way and really 
I think you can gentrify in a positive way. I do. I think that you can have businesses and hire locally and support economy. Like it doesn't have to be a bad thing. It's when it's done for selfish um, intent and there's no commitment to others. I think that's when it becomes really negative. Yeah. Yeah. That's so important. I think, I mean, we could go on a whole spiel about (laughs) that and, you know, just, we used to have a, a little old lady who lived across the street, and she moved here in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And and to know that, like, this neighborhood, my neighbor, my section of this little piece of pie that we live in, I mm-hmm. call it the pie, the pie slice. I'm like, in the pie. Um, she moved here in the 50s in her little house, and it was a white, blue-collar neighborhood. Wow. And then it rolled over in the 70s and 80s to be a black blue collar neighborhood Mm -hmm. and then it rolled over again and it became first it was a white blue collar and now it's becoming a white white collar Mm -hmm. and I'm like this that neighborhood's changed that East Nashville like if you look at the long history of East Nashville where like back to the fire yeah in 1910 is that right I don't know the exact where it year, was but like, it was early 1900s. This was like yeah. the rich, yes. fancy <laughs> part of Nashville. And then all the stuff caught on fire and came across the, the river and burned down a yeah. good chunk of the neighborhood. And the rich people were like, we're out. Bye. Yes. Yeah. And like left, you yeah. know, homes and like just burnt out shells. They're like, no. Yeah. And they all moved to Belmede and built their houses. Their big fancy mansions that used to be over here. And how neighborhoods shift and change over time. Yes. And, and if we stay connected and intentional and mm-hmm. relational, then that doesn't feel like you're being, the people who live here are being shoved out. Right. Right. Because uh, nobody wants that. Right. I and mean, nobody wants to be things. shoved out and right. nobody, you know, that's. <clears throat> and I, yeah. and as I, as a neighbor have watched neighbors mm-hmm. and fought for neighbors who were being shoved out and yeah. one family, it happened so fast. I couldn't even yeah. like help. I came home and literally the new owner, Mm -hmm. I guess, had given them 30 days, but they never said, we're moving. It was a family that had rented that. It's blue. Yeah. Now and giant. They had rented it for 25 years. They raised their kids there and they had 30 days to move out and they didn't move out fast enough. They threw everything in the backyard. Wow. And then they couldn't come over. They were an older couple. They couldn't come over and get it fast enough, and it all went in a dumpster. Oh, man. And I was so like, wait, no, yeah. what is happening? You know, yeah. I didn't have their phone number. Like, I couldn't, like, uh, how can I help you? Like, yeah. it was all just happening so fast. And they literally were just shoved out. And yeah, I, it feels like an injustice of, yes. wait, this is a life. These are people, you know. Right. That's, These are humans. Um, And for the bottom line of, you know what it feels it's you know it's a it's a complicated issue and those are the kind of things where it's like okay can there be a middle ground can there be a better way can there be more affordable housing can there Mm -hmm. be more um is 30 days enough can we do 90 days you know like where can we compromise here you know where how can we do this with dignity and um yeah you and know, maybe, I'm, maybe. I'm not, yeah, I'm not Instead trying to deny like a dumpster. the, and, and that happened to several families on my block as well, you know, um, yeah. in terms of rental properties that were evicted and then flipped and then sold. And, you, you know, it's, 
um, sadly, it was, it felt for a long time like the nature of our neighborhood, which was kind of terrifying in a way, um, because we had built relationships with those families. And um, when you would ask if, if we left the house, if we came back, if somebody would have torn down our house. Because oh they were all the houses around us were getting we're getting torn knocked down. Yeah. And they're like, "Put mop. What if I'm like they can't do that without our permission? Yeah, what an but they were terrified. What an interesting time mm-hmm. of like that will be part of our children's memories. Yeah, you know of that's just such a unique um, perspective that I I don't recall as yeah. a child. You know, of, watching the neighborhood change. Yeah, grow absolutely, and and how we respond to that. Because they're definitely watching that. They you know? are. Um, yeah, that'll that'll be an interesting thing on how that affects our children mm. as adults. You know, I hope that means they'll be more intentional about um, loving their neighbors and fighting for some sort of equity in the neighborhood and yeah, fair practices at least. Or right. you know, well, and yeah. it like the fact that you your family continues to choose the harder road. Like the, I mean, not, not yeah. that I'm like, I'm not setting you up as like martyrs. Like, look at this. Good <laughs> <we're doing." laughs> but like continue to, to, I'm going to say it better to continue to push in relationally mm-hmm. where others have gone. I'm out. This is too, I gotta go. Like, yeah. You know, Um, I appreciate that about you, that you guys not only said, okay, we're going to be here, but we're going to be fully here and we're going to create this thing that not only is means we're fully here just as humans and neighbors, Mm -hmm. but we're fully here in like our ministry and how we talk to kids and how we like my, my favorite things that you do tutoring, which like you were like white people show up. Like I totally showed up for like half a, like a semester and my yeah. kids were like losing their minds. I'm like, clearly you guys are too young for me to do this tutoring thing and not like y'all freak uh-huh. out. Right. Every time we come here, it was after school Understood. and they were just too little. Yeah. I understand I'm like, that. We'll, we'll be back. I'm going I'm to give it a minute. Yeah. But, like, showing up and the tutoring and, mm-hmm. like, the Bible studies and the jobs classes, like, yeah. the actual things that are actually part of this neighborhood. Yeah. That are part of the needs that, not like the white savior kind of mentality, but, like, how can I be your friend? Yeah. And how can I do life with you? And how can I be mm-hmm. relational? And how can I, how can I make that what I'm about? Right. So it's not just like, well, I mean, good talk. Bye. Yeah. You know, yeah. I hear you. That's so sad. I'm out. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. well, let's, let's do something about that. Like people looking for work. Well, let's do something. Entrepreneurs, like you're an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> I love that class. Yeah. But like, let, oh, you want to start a business? Yes. Yeah. We need, need more minority owned businesses in this neighborhood. How do you do that? How do you go from like, I have an idea to I'm, I can open a shop. Brick yeah. and mortar, online, whatever it is. Yeah. I love that it's like, those are things that I've, some people may have gotten educated in along mm-hmm. the way, but like I grew up rural poverty. Yeah. Those were not things that I was like, oh yeah, well, let's just go start a business. Right. Like I didn't have any, <laughs> but no. Yeah. It was like, oh, can we eat today? Yes, we can. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. I'm yeah. so about that. Absolutely. <clears throat> and I, I love that there's just, it's not just this one thing and it's, it's so faceted and 
I love the, and and not only do you you do that, but like there's a mom Nashville mom's blog. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Nashville mom's blog, and I love that like the topics that you bring in there. And I went back and wrote them down all down, and it was about <laughs> it was about transracial adoption, which uh-huh. I love. Yes. Um, and then like specifically about gun violence. Mm-hmm. That one I was like weeping through. Oh, oh gosh. Um, and then just like yeah, something that seems so trivial but it's so like takes over your life like when your kid won't sleep Mm -hmm. and I'm like yes Mm -hmm. yes see I'm not crazy (laughs) and then um just talking about conversations about ethnicity and Mm -hmm. um I was thinking about like when I was a kid so 90s I was born in the 70s let's just be truthful and then like my memories are of being a student are 80s and 90s yeah so back then the big thing was like we're colorblind. Yes. I don't see your race. Absolutely. Yes. But th- that's not true. And no, it's never it's, been true. I'm going to say right now that's harmful, actually. Yes. But that was, a, that was culturally, that was kind of what we said. Right. Um, like, I don't think of you yes. as like a person of color. But, yes. but subconsciously, yes. Yes. Like, my kids are five years old, and they're like, Mom, all yeah. the brown skins. I'm like, hold on. Yes. We're not going to use that language. Yeah. Like, that's not. But they're it, making they're an observation. A person. Right. Who also has brown yeah. skin. So you have to equip them with the language. Yes. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yes. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I got derailed. Hold yeah. on. My brain thought we got. <laughs> you were saying in the 70s. When in the 70s. Up, it was tra- just yeah. so, like. Like, I don't see color, but in a way that, like, doesn't honor people's cultural heritage, people's, um, like, those are things are beautiful. And in the the U.S., we're kind of this weird, Mm -hmm. um, mostly white culture that is in the the forefront. Yeah. And so to say, I don't see your your Mm -hmm. race. Well, I have a, you know, not personally, but, like, someone who has, like, a long history of like where they came from and what they right. did and, and the songs that were sung and the, like the fabric of who they were mm-hmm. to, it sort of dis like disavows that or dishonors. Oh, that. absolutely. Like, yeah. like, I don't care about that. You're just a person like me. I'm like, yeah. I'm not. Well, and that can become dehumanizing, you know, right. if that's your identity and it's constantly being ignored or denied or, right. you know, um, yeah, I think that America does have a culture of, especially with, excuse me minorities and immigrants and refugees and there's a sort of an expectation towards assimilation where regardless of where you come from who you are you accept this predominant white culture as um, right and what it is and you just kind of blend into that, you right. know? And I think we are, I really do think we are in a moment in our national history where there is somewhat of an acknowledgement, a recognition. Um, you know, I don't think we've arrived, but I think there is sort of a awakening towards, wait a second, yeah. you know, like colorblind is not a good thing. Right. It's not right. You know, we are, that's actually harming and hurtful and, Um, that's a little bit of my own personal story of, um, and you touched on one of the articles I wrote about ethnicity of how I grew up, um, you know, and my parents absolutely did the whole colorblind thing and, you know, we just wanted it to be easier for you and was, and was very much raised white and, um, had little to no, um, knowledge of my maternal 
um, maternal side of, you know, ethnicity. And, um, you know, so my you're, parents... You speaking Spanish. I did not. My you grandparents... Oh, girl. My, my <laughs> Will is actually more fluent than I am. Wow. Um, but, you know, my grandparents would speak Spanglish. And yeah. it was like, wait, what? You know, what is this? And, you know, I remember one time visiting them. We didn't see them often. It was more rare. And um, my grandma was making, like, sopapillas from scratch. And I was just like, what? What is this? You know? And um, mm-hmm. I really, as an adult, can say that, oh, I miss that. You know? Yeah. I wish that I had these roots and history and this wealth of um, tradition and, you know, knowledge about, you know, I don't know who that has, that does shape a little bit of who I am, you know? And so for me, knowing (laughs) that we were going to adopt and especially transracially, that was so important to me. You know, I did not want my children to assimilate. I did not want them to ever question, um, why their culture was not at the first and foremost important in our family, you know? And so, um, that was just, yeah, that was really, really important to me. And, and I'm excited that I feel like there's more of a societal receptiveness to that. Yeah. You know, I think there's more opportunities. Um, that's something I'm very passionate about. (laughs) Um, and something that, feels like a real privilege that motherhood and parenting has given me this gateway um, for this advocacy of, um, you know, I look at some of the cool things that our ministry does and part of it is I want these opportunities for my children, yeah. you know, and I don't want to live in a world without them. And so what am I doing today to help create them for my neighbors so that my kids have that opportunity, you know, right. and in terms of our neighborhood, it is under-resourced in a lot of areas in terms of, um, schools, in schools and <laughs> economics and, you know, do my neighbors even have the opportunity to know how to start a business? You right. know, most everybody has a side hustle, Mm-hmm. how do we make it your main income you know and so that was something that just kind of naturally developed as there's a huge percentage of population um, of males 18 to 28 returning to the zip code with um, felony convictions yeah you know and it's very very hard to make a living wage when you can't get hired right. for anything other than an entry-level fast food job you know yeah. much less get affordable housing so right. Um, in doing some of those classes for former offenders, we started looking around and not just former offenders, but just friends living in poverty and saying, where's the opportunity here? You know, how can we help address a real need um, and something that feels like somewhat of an injustice that there is an equity in terms of these opportunities and um, the academy just seemed like a natural fit in terms of creating an opportunity for entrepreneurship for minorities and particularly women yeah Yeah. corner to corner academy corner to corner it's the academy nashville.org is the um is the website for that Uh uh-huh and it's we're registering right now we're almost full for our spring class that starts in march so it's been amazing to watch people graduate and actually do their businesses 
make yeah. their dreams a reality. How about that? Is that your tagline? <laughs> um, but in all, I mean, I'm laughing, but it's serious and it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing to watch. Um, yeah. I'm not really sure where I was going with that, but no, I think it's, I think it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I love, I mean, clearly as I'm sitting here talking with you relation, yeah. Um, being relational is very mm-hmm. important to mm-hmm. me as a human, as to my family. And, um, so I love that you're doing that and like a broader scale, mm-hmm. like how do we bring this, like this friendship to like, okay, let's take yeah. this broader and broader. Like, yeah. Can you meet me here? Can you meet me in this mm. place in my life? Yes, yes. I can meet you there. Yeah. I think that anytime we start thinking about like application and what this looks like, that has to be a conversation just like dripping in grace. You know, because like you said, you had this intentionality of I want to tutor and I want to show up and it was not the season, right? right? Like practically it was, and you know, I had a three-year-old, I think my oldest was seven. Yes. It was seven, five, and three. I was like, what am I? I can't tutor somebody my own kids are like under the table and like fighting and I'm like "Ah." and and honestly so many times over the years I've been approached by moms specifically with just this tone of guilt of like I wish I could be doing more and um I just want moms to hear me now and say um guilt is not the motivator for this conversation right you know it has to be um I think it. we have to be practical and say, you know, where are we in life right now today? And it might be that your main focus is your family. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that's not to say you don't care about these issues or engage in other ways. Right. But I think we need to take ourselves off the hook of um, dear moms out there. You're not going to start a full time nonprofit and do all these things. Right? You know, that's not everybody's calling, you know, Um but what does it look like? I encourage everybody to just say, step one, like, what is your sphere of influence? Period. Right now, it might just be the little humans that you're raising and right. your husband or um, the one friend that you are able to catch on the phone twice a week. You know, like, that might be it right now. Mm-hmm. And I think you start there. And it won't be that always. You know, things change and kids grow up and we have more room and space and you know and and recognizing I think the season that you're in and what is your capacity to give you know is it time is it money is it thought what Mm -hmm. is it you know um and so I think that's a really important first step for me I'm a doer and so I can get really overwhelmed fast about like oh my gosh I have to go you know, dive in head first to do this, all the things, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. But I've had to learn realistically, you know, my son has special needs and that has been such a um, gift of limitations. Yeah. I feel like that's like a whole podcast (laughs) we could do. That is a whole another podcast. Raising a kid with special needs. Oh, absolutely. You'll have to come back and do a special needs podcast. A special needs podcast, yes. Definitely have a lot to say about that. But I think the gift of limitations, because I'm not an easily limited person, um, helped kind of 
steer me and show me and, and just really teach me that like I can't do all the things. So yeah. um, what are my gifts? What are the things that I can do right now? And that's a little bit why I started writing mm-hmm. at that season. You know, I could do that while my daughter was sleeping. Um, and it felt like, okay, I can't organize these huge events and lead these conversations. So let me write an article real quick, you know? And so that was a little bit of me being realistic of, okay, this doesn't mean I stop caring or I don't have anything. It does mean it's going to look different right now, you know? Um, Well, and, and even if like what we accomplish during the day is we grow humans who don't grow up to be just total a-holes yeah like can you (laughs) yeah can you not like do yeah things that uh, yeah like recognizing that these are the seeds like even just those little things like explaining Mm -hmm. my kids like the 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 children with brown skin in your class are not the brown skins Mm. they are children like you who this is a trait they have you have blue eyes they have brown eyes they yeah. have darker brown skin. You have peach skin. So then uh-huh. they come home like, you know, all the peach skins. I'm like, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's so. But even that, like yeah. raising, like, you know, between the collective number of moms I have. if And like, it comes, it comes out to like maybe a hundred kids. Yeah. If those hundred kids like are aware and conscious and are growing up yeah. not total, like just not aware of social injustice and all these things that that like you can open your eyes to your kids eyes to as a mom yeah and say like this is important and I like I know you think I'm banging this drum you're like mom yeah and when you can think I'm stupid all you want in your teens and then in your 20s you're like oh yeah my mom told me that's the thing (laughs) and you can just be always the case a little more woke in your 20s yeah yeah I mean that's such a gift too even just raising children who are aware of what's going on around them and not the center of the universe yes absolutely (laughs) amen um it's interesting because I think that I have a lot of white friends who are eager you know they they don't feel like they're doing something I'm doing air quotes you can't see me doing something (laughs) um unless it's engaging with another culture and I just that is that is false I just want to say that that's like step four I would say um I think there's so much opportunity for white people to um engage with their families engage with their children engage with their white friends that they do have plenty of Mm -hmm. to really say hey let's take a minute here and examine what are our biases? What is this culture that we immediately are accepted and um, is for us? You know, let's let's really take a look at this. Mm-hmm. You know, am I actively contributing to this? Yeah. You know, what um, what are some things that I just take advantage of and don't even, you know, and, and that can look differently. Like, I just would encourage if you're listening to this today take a moment of your day if you go out in public and reflect on what that experience was like for you and then think about how it might have been different if you were black or Asian or um, wearing a headscarf. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. think about, just think about that. 
And if you're struggling to come up with that, um, I have some good books I can recommend. But I just <laughs> I I think we walk through the world with this just and I'm saying we as in white because I've definitely assimilated to white culture and you know I have the white privilege and I've always had it. Um, but I think we walk through our days and our culture just with this um, kind of eyes wide shut and the world revolves around us. And that is not the case for so many people in America. And um, I think that if as the adults, we can kind of open up our eyes to that and say, whoa, it's not like this for everybody and show those differences to our children and point them out and and if it's an injustice, you know, we point it out loudly, you know, and right. say, what do we do about this? And how yeah. can we, whether it's in the moment advocating or, you know, right, sitting down and writing a letter to your um, legislature, your senator or your representative, your local councilman, you know, and showing your child that, like, you know, you have a voice in this yeah. and. You know, I think those are ways that we are teaching and can teach and should be teaching our children that, you know, doesn't have to necessarily be um, having a play date with a black friend. Does that make sense? Like, I think people are really quick to, and I'm not saying that's wrong or bad either, but, um, you know, I think people are quick to be like, well you know, I don't have enough black friends, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? If you start living your life in a way where you are being intentional and actively um, engaging, you know, people are going to start viewing you differently. You're Mm going to start appearing as an ally. People are going to be more trusting. And I'm talking about people being black people, you know, um, and those relationships will naturally happen. Yeah. You know, they will take you to spaces if you start becoming an ally, you will you will show up in spaces with other black people because yeah. you care and you want to be a part of it now. You know, um, it's not just this forced. I need a black friend, you right. know, um, and I'm sorry, I'm probably not being very PC in this in this topic, <laughs> but I just I want people to know that there is hard work to be done prior to that. Right. Um, that could take a lifetime, yeah. <laughs> you know, that will take a lifetime because, you know, I'm in my late thirties and I think about, you know, I'm tired. I'm tired of fighting for these ridiculous injustices. And I've got friends that have been fighting for 37 years and then their parents before them and their grandparents, you know, like yeah. I can't, I can't say that. I mean, I can, but it's, it sounds silly when I think about it like that. So. Yeah. Oh man! Well, not to end on like a bum note, but, <laughs> but I, I, yeah. I appreciate that. Like, yeah. the, recognizing like even just my little microcosm, how long it took for yeah. my neighbors to trust me. Yes, they're like, "Who's this white lady?" Yeah, like, it's. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, the, and it began not to be like toot my own horn, but like it began with service. Mm-hmm. Like, and it just takes so like my the the lady who lived across the street. Who was a black lady? She's like, I don't know about you. Like when it snowed, I went and shoveled her driveway. Like mm-hmm. it began with service. Like, yeah. Where, how can I be of service to you? Yeah. Like, how can I be a good friend and a good neighbor? Yeah. We all have basic needs yeah. and what a gift to have someone else meet them. Right. <laughs> you know, like everybody wants that. Like, right. um, 
and I just yeah. have a snow shovel. No, it rarely snows. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I'm I have going a snow to remember shovel. that. What, what? Two, like, two times it snows and yeah. in Nashville. Ariana has a shovel. Woo. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I think, well, I want to thank you for coming and yeah. to my house. And uh, <laughs> you guys can't see this, but I was like, <laughs> Tiffany, real talk. <laughs> Yeah. mountain of laundry which I totally undone own. dishes like yeah. there's like little puddles of socks and underwear where people got dressed and i, I was like it. uh we're gonna ignore that because yeah. we're gonna do what i want to do right now which feeds my soul for yes. a minute oh can i give fun. um three little book plugs yes books that have fed my soul in this ministry and parenting um the first one is one that i recommend to everyone i ever meet um it's called why are all the black kids sitting together in the cafeteria and it's Dr. Beverly Daniel Tatum, I believe is her name. Um, Tatum Daniel, Ta- Daniel Tatum. Um, and it is an amazing book in terms of race relations. I recommend everyone to read that. Awesome. That link will be awesome. On the site. And then there's another one called um, Generous Justice by Tim Keller. Um, that is a great book just about social justice from a faith point standpoint and why we're all called to it in our spheres of influence in different ways. And then the final one is a book that actually is coming out January 22nd, but I got a pre-sale copy, um, by a guy named Jamar Tisby, who's amazing. I'd recommend you follow him online on social media, but it's called the color of compromise and it's kind of the history of, uh, race and the American church mm. and it is it is all of the history Ooh. that was not in our history books you know um that is so needed it's amazing so yeah. everybody should should get that and read yes. yes well thank you again for coming and talking yes. and um I don't know how like what day this will actually publish but um yeah you're my first interview <laughs> this <laughs> so, was fun yeah I think I'm going to do like a couple like previews and just make a solo like intro to the talk, but like you're my first interview. So this was really fun. Yay. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. You guys, Tiffany Acuff, Corner to Corner Ministries. Dot org. Corner to Corner dot org. Corner to Corner dot org. Um, Check out her ministry. You can, if you're not local and cannot volunteer your time, you can support. (laughs) Yes, we will be accepting donations. You can support their ministry. We are a nonprofit. But yes, they're a nonprofit. You can support their ministry. You can donate. You can, you can, if you're local in Nashville, you can volunteer your time. Yes. You can give of uh, um, your personal resources yes. and showing up. Yes. Um, and even you can, like the yeah. smallest ways. And we have, and we're things. constantly promoting our entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So um, follow us on social media, Corner to Corner on Instagram and Corner to Corner Nashville on Facebook and um, consider buying local and yeah. black owned business. Yay. Awesome. Thank you so <laughs> yes. much. Thank this you. This was beautiful. Yeah. I love it. I love it. All right. All right. That's it for us, uh, for this podcast. And, um, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And, um, this podcast hopefully will be called, I see you mama. Um, and I see this mama Tiffany sitting in front of me. So if you are listening, um, and would like to hear more subscribe, and uh, go to the website and check everything out. And, and um, please go click on all the links and, and, and investigate what Tiffany and I have t- been talking about. Because um, I would love to share that part of her with you guys. Because um, you're not sitting in this room with me with all of these resources in front of you. So thank you so much. And I know you're out there. 
listening and you might be a little overwhelmed by motherhood, but I see you and I see the good you're doing and I see the beautiful that you are. And um, I can't wait to talk to you again. Bye.